It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Why was I just listening to the logical song by Supertramp? I'm completely disorientated. Uh, City Talk's greatest hits. City Talk's 105.9's greatest hits. It's obviously got to include me doing something. Um, I'd like to get a list of that if we can, Jake. If we can get a list of City Talk 105.9's greatest hits, that could well fill part three. This is all in the game with Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Uh, a week ago, we were settling down right now, weren't we, Dave? And we were going to have about to do a four-hour broadcast, uh, which was going to end well. Well, we're going to end badly for Everton, but the, uh, the, 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 the coda that you didn't get to hear ended well for them. Um, it was theoretically exciting, although not that much happened. Yeah. Um, this week, literally nothing has happened in football. And we're settling down now to talk for an hour in a, something which could just, frankly, just become rather Bacchettian. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, last time I saw you in a, in a radio context, you'd taken your headphones off and threw them onto the desk. Um, turned out nice, though. Yeah, I was trying to find the quickest way to the roof. Um <laughs> to eventually jump down on whatever was unfortunate enough to be below me. Uh, since then, things have improved dram- dramatically for Everton, certainly, I think. Um, obviously, we went, we went to pub afterwards, didn't we, and, and seen it all unfold in the last hour. And um, it was... It was it was slapstick comedy, wasn't it? You know, James McCarthy come out and said he joins ten minutes before the deadline closed. I've got a big thing about this. I've got a massive One. thing about this. It was doing people's medicals. Who, who did James McCarthy's no medical? Idea. Who did Lukaku's medical? Who did Fellaini's medical? Who does any of these medicals at this point? And this, use Fellaini as an example. Manchester United have paid £27 million for Fellaini. You'd have thought the insurance company would want to see him have a good going over before he, uh, <laughs> he signs up. Those three the lads line. were all in Spain, weren't they? Those, trying to do that. Those, those, deal. Three, those three lads. <laughs> uh, three lads have come under. It's, I, I really am. I mean, obviously, you know what I mean? You know that, that these players are fit players and all this sort of stuff, but you would have thought that people were obliged to do medicals. Maybe it's subject, it's signed and it's agreed subject to a medical. Does the medical then happen the next day? Mm. Lukaku was in Belgium. Mm. Has he had his medical yet? Is there a chance he could be sent back? Well, the, the whole thing is just crazed. The funny thing about that is Everton was so meticulous, we hear, on the Leroy Fair deal in January that that actually resulted in the player not signing. It was and a thought, you, that was a thought of yeah. medical. So, you know, I, I think, that, you know, they had his dental records and everything on show in January and uh, James McCarthy just signs at the drop of a hat at, I don't know how it works, to be honest with you, but um, it was borderline farcical, but I've decided to give the club the benefit of the doubt. I think by the skin of its teeth, you you could have seen, you know, sliding doors, I refer to as Dave Bennett always puts it on the blue room, you could have seen out-and-out outrage and carnage, but for the sake of a few... Dicey moments, I think, on Monday. What I, what I think is interesting is Everton's... Uh, Everton got caught up in something that's become uniquely English. Um, there was one deal made in Germany on deadline yeah. day. One deal in Germany. Uh, Spain weren't particularly busy. Um, everyone else just gets things done. Whereas I can't work out whether or not Jim White et al. and us, frankly, exist because of the ineptitude of the clubs in terms of just doing your business in a sensible manner, or if we exist because of it. Mm. I can't work out who, 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 it's chicken and egg. Are the clubs responsible for Jim White, or is Jim White responsible for the clubs? 
this is this is this is the question here: whether or not everyone just wants to almost like turn this jamboree into something, and that's why everyone feels as though it's now become de rigueur. It's become okay. It's become acceptable to go to the last day of the window in England on all this sort of stuff. Where I mean, Liverpool are a good example in that. Mm-hmm. Liverpool went to the last day of the window, but they got three. They had the three signings done in the morning. They yeah. were done the night before. Otsel was pretty much done the day before by Arsenal. There'd been negotiations over the weekend, but nonetheless, it still went that close. Whereas, as I say, in Germany, one deal was done. Spain was very, very quiet. Mm. It's very odd. I think that the whole the whole Sky bandwagon's got a lot to answer for with all of this, to be honest. Because I mean, we never used to see it. We even even as much as well, what five six years ago, it was never this frantic, was it? It was never like an episode of EastEnders where you know you, you could easily. There weren't people flying up and down the M62 in cars, whacking a transfer no. questionnaire and getting back there. You know, service stations must make a fortune on transfer <laughs> deadline day with players just sitting there all day thinking, yeah, I might go there, but I could equally end up over there. And I, I, I don't think it's ridiculous. Um, as exciting as it was for us, um, doing something like uh, as innovative as, as what, well, I'll, I'll blow your trumpet, Neil, as what you came up with last week. Um, you know, I thought it was it was really exciting for us to be that on that side of it, and you know, I can see how people get drawn to that excitement. But in terms of if you take your football seriously, and I think if you're over the age of probably about. Well, I think we're probably about the limit and the age where you could possibly be let off at understanding it. Then I think you're probably scratching your head thinking, what's going on here? This isn't football. It is. It's just mania, really. Uh, and as I say, I don't quite understand how you end up getting to that point. I mean, Everton are one thing. I can understand how Everton's window was dependent on Manchester United. Yeah. Therefore, what Manchester United have done and we're doing is bananas. <laughs> it's absolutely... Manchester United's window just does not... No matter how much... I, I noticed this wonderful Henry Winter piece. Hello, Henry, if you're listening. I'm sure you are, um, this wonderful Henry Winter piece, wherein he, he said, uh, which was almost certainly may, may as well have been written by United's PR department, wherein he referred to um, how it was understandable they hadn't managed to sign a central midfielder as they've been looking for one. The search has been going on since 2007. Mm. 2007? That's seven years yeah. ago. It, the <laughs> centre midfielders have been around in that period of time. You know that, that it was therefore acceptable they hadn't signed more than Fellaini that window because you know it, it's hard. Yeah. No, it's not. There's loads of centre mids, loads of them. They're knocking around all over the place. Yeah. You can pick one and go for them. It was a very, very odd piece of writing. But I don't understand how United got themselves into that situation. They've got all the money to not all the money, but they've got a decent amount of money to spend, and yet it went all the way to that particular wire. They could have bought Fellaini for 23 million a month earlier and if they'd have put 27 million down on the 29th of August on the 28th of August on the 26th of August they could have played Marouane Fellaini against Liverpool at Anfield yeah. and paid 27 million and then Everton could have bought McCarthy McCarthy could have played for Everton against Cardiff they could have got Barry in and maybe even got Lukaku in the whole thing just is is this domino effect of madness yeah it is an absolute farce what's going on over there because I mean we like I alluded to earlier you've got three lawyers running around Spain trying to sign just around 40 million about the club saying give me a midfielder um, it makes you wonder what sort of scouting systems they've got in place I mean has Henry Winter answered that in his article did he, did he allude to anything as in well seven years of you know Ozil's people like that yeah. star central midfielders world class central midfielders moving round I've passed them by yeah. in that period as well it's not just like you could have gone and thrown 40 million at the obvious you know you've had, you've had seven years worth of but being able to do scouting exactly you could have bought actually the next Fellaini before he moved from standing yeah. A's rather than the one from Everton in that period yeah. of time in fact you could actually have just bought Fellaini in that but, period yeah, of time but what's interesting is I mean do you remember when United were that club who 
uh, and I think Chelsea later went on to be that club who bought the player just for the sake of it. I remember the deal he did with Diego Forlan. Mm. He'd almost signed for Middlesbrough, and Ferguson piped up last minute, yeah, we'll take him. Yeah. And it almost had that feeling of just for the sake of it. From that, there's a stark contrast between that and absolute sheer desperation that we've seen on Monday. And it, it's just a, a massive decline, and it doesn't do anything to help Moises' cause, does it? It doesn't do anything to help Moises' cause. We'll talk more about Moises, I think, in parts two and three. I, I, let's talk about Everton then. Ended up with, I think, exceptionally strong business. Uh, whether or not, you know, forget how it's come about. Yeah. Um, I rate Gareth Barry very highly mm-hmm. indeed. I think he's an excellent footballer. I think he, he solves a problem for Everton, which is what happens when uh, Gibson doesn't play. Mm-hmm. And he actually um, not just solves a problem, but he creates new opportunities for Everton because he could play alongside Gibson as well. Yeah. He's an exceptionally good footballer who can move the ball 20, 30 yards up the pitch vertically along the deck. He's a man who will suit the way in which Martinez wants to play. It's the first time in a long, long time when Everton have had genuine midfield options. I mean, genuine contenders, as in one of the lads will be devastated if they don't get a game and they put on the bench. Um, yeah. That hasn't happened for a long time in Everton, I don't think. I think We'll probably, and it may be a bit harsh to say this, because there are a lot of fans out there of him, but I think you're probably going to see Osman's game time come down a little bit. Do you think? I think it will. Um, Obviously, well... Well, the proof will be in the pudding because Martinez hasn't had the chance to leave anybody out really yet in the midfield. It's been whoever's been fit started. Yeah. You know, you've brought two lads in there who can do probably equally, if not more, of the legwork that Osman can do and they're generally better footballers as well, I'd say. I mean, I think McCarthy is the sure starter out of the pair that we've brought in, I think. Um, I, had, I was talking to Dave Bennett about this and he was saying at the moment it'll probably be Gibson or um, Barry. But as you said, they could equally play together as, as your two holding midfield players, and you could you could even put a Barkley in front of them. Um, I, I I questioned actually what Pienaar's role would be in in all of this because you've got the the young kid. Um Dale Lefeu coming through as well. Mm. Pienaar's the wrong side of 30. He hasn't really impressed so far this season. It, it's really exciting to see some options finally. Is um, he going to go 3-4-3? I think I think he's. He's de- he's leaning towards that. He's definitely leaning towards that. I think um, having three central defenders and the, f- the funny thing is Heiting is still there. Yep. Um, and I-, I was talking to Greg O'Keefe the other day about this, and he was saying, "Oh, he's obviously happy to see down his contract. You could potentially see a role there for him if he does go three four three. If not John Stones as well, who- who's emerged so far this yep. season. So, I mean, there there is a lot to be optimistic about. Because um, I can easily you can easily see there the idea of he's got he's got that clear back three of Jack. Yelka, Distan, and uh, Heitinger in the middle of mm. those three, arguably. Then, you know, in front of that, uh, Coleman and Baines pick themselves. And then um, up front, Lukaku leading the line with, um, with you know, that's where Pinar, Osman, that's where those sorts of players do mm-hmm. begin to come into contention. That actually seems to me to be the criticism of his three. And then in the middle, sorry, you've also got then, you've got Barry, McCarthy um, and, and Gibson all, all, all screaming out yeah. for selection. Because the, the criticism of his 3-4-3 at Wigan was that it was a little bit weak. That that to me is not a weak set of eleven no. players. That's eleven very, very good players. Players who are who are big lads who can get around the pitch, um, who are strong, and who are also simultaneously all good technically. Absolutely, you could you know you could even make a case of looking at Liverpool as a template for that as well. You know, going to a four-three-three, um, the back five pretty much picks itself at the, as it as it will yep. be at the moment. You got this Dan Jags uh, and then the two full-backs, like you said, Howard behind them. Then you can mix a match with whoever you're playing uh, against Chelsea I wouldn't suggest going 4-3-3 slightly too narrow I think you've got to expose wide against Chelsea yep. um, 
but I could certainly see Morales, Pina, either side of Lukaku. Morales as well, yeah, you've got yeah. Morales in there as well. Who, the further up the pitch, the more damage he can do yeah. in an ideal world. And you could, you could probably throw, I mean... You, and he's got a decision to make up front, hasn't he? Lukaku or... Um, well, he obviously can't play him against Chelsea. Yeah. But Lukaku or Jelovic suddenly now is, is he's got a decision to make there. Well, if you look at, I think Lukaku scored 17 Premier League goals last season. I think he only made something like 14 or 15 starts. Yeah. I think you know the indication is the lad. You know, you start him and he will deliver for you. So, I'd be really disappointed if I seen Lukaku on the bench more often than not. Mm. Uh, having said that, you look at this Chelsea game coming up. It, Gives a big chance to Jelovic. I don't think Coney will start. It gives a big chance to Jelovic to, to prove himself. And I don't know if Martinez will ever consider. I mean, I think you put you could put Coney on one of the flanks and he'd do a job for you. As we mentioned, he, he runs about. His, his movement's decent. He can hold the ball up. I don't think he can do that with Jelovic. I think you no. play Jelovic as a striker or not at all. I think it's it's it, it's it shows though through the middle of the pitch there you know there's genuine options it's two from three at centre yeah. back it's arguably two from four in centre midfield and then it's one from three possibly in attack uh, leading the line there you know that's that is a richness of options that hasn't been there before it, it's the league cup's a big deal for Everton now isn't mm. it you know the, the league cup and the FA Cup there have got to got to start looming large you'd have said you know one of Liverpool and Manchester United are going out for instance Chelsea will obviously take it very seriously Mourinho always does but now. Everton can actually make two or three changes through the spine of the team, keep it fresh for that game and for the game to come, and and, and be, feel as though no, this is an eleven. We'd be quite happy to play at home against four fifths of the sides in this league. That suddenly gives it that that's a strong position to be in. It is because you're looking when you're replacing players, your side doesn't necessarily become weaker now. I think in the past it's definitely been the case that if our first eleven isn't fit. Uh, if one of those lads are out, then whoever comes in will inevitably be weaker than the player that they're replacing. Um, now I think there's a case you can say in, in probably four, maybe five positions in the side that you're bringing in somebody who's equally as good. Um, if not, there's not there's not that golfing class between bringing on a squad player where they used to be. Um, you know, you have got a decent draw, full them away. Um, I don't know. I mean, Fulham are the, the, the Cooper Busters, aren't they? They're, they're a weird team. Yeah, this um, season. So I mean, we get through that. There's a lot of all Premier League ties. The League Cup would be a fantastic chance for Martinez to uh, alleviate some of the pressure that that is inevitably going to be on him in his first season. I think it's a fantastic chance to obviously get a, a, a much um, you know a much coveted trophy. But also, you know, you're in Europe. You've still got a third of the season left to play after the League Cup. So I mean. The, you know, he's, the the things open up if you do well in that competition, um, and I think this season now the way the way that the players he signed there on deadline day, I think it's it's built on a squad that was already strong and it's renewed optimism. I think because the the four lads he brought in previous to that didn't cut the muster for me, and I said this and I was accused of negativity, and I, I'll stand up my comment because I think I was right. Those four lads probably weren't enough. No, they weren't. No, they weren't enough. But now that they're there, you know, uh, Delofu, for instance, who was talking about it. Yeah, they hugely supplemented. It's shifting what you've got from being something which was uh, supplement a squad, su- supplement a first team that's not there. To then, you know, suddenly now you can see how there's the spine of that first team, and then you can say, well, Delofu comes in and out, mm. uh, Robles comes in and out. They play the odd game here and there. They get the league cup. They get one or two more. If they impress, they can keep playing. You know, suddenly that you're right to say Pinar's under pressure for his place, but that's no bad thing. No competition in a football squad is a good thing. 
thing. And suddenly Everton managed to shift from last season looking like there was essentially 13 who you thought the manager could well trust. So now you think maybe there's 17, maybe there's 18. Mm. And while it might take longer for Martinez to get them doing what Martinez wants them to do, that's, in a sense, it's a better place to be and certainly looking over the, over the longer stretch. The only concern from an Evertonian point of view should be that three of these are on loan. Which yeah. means that at the end of the season, you know, either another three loans have got to be magicked up, or you're back to needing to to supplement and strengthen around these. And two of those are players who I'm looking at at least as first team players. Yeah, that's that. It, it's that year zero thing again, isn't it? I think you know you've got to. You're not going to keep Lukaku beyond this season, definitely not. Gareth Barry, I think his contract's up at the end of this season, so you probably you you've know, got a chance. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it's re- it is really interesting that. The, the lads we brought in on loan it does sort of make it seem like a let's all go all guns blazing this season see how far we can get and that'll influence what we do next season um, it makes it a really interesting time for Everton but just going back to the transfer window and getting rid of Fellaini I think that a lot of Evertonians pointed that towards being Ma- uh, Martinez is one of his key moments in stamping his authority down on the side simply because you got rid of a player who he wasn't going to play in a role that we've seen last season. He was never going to play him further forward. Even when we were desperate for a goal in the three draws we've had so far, yep. he's really been reluctant to push him any further forward. And I think the two lads we've brought in are more naturally suited to the position he wants a Fellaini to play well, That's interesting, because that's what I thought Fellaini would play for, for United. Mm. I think I think Moyes will try and use Fellaini next to Carrick, yeah. rather than rather than cleverly, and that, which I think is quite interesting, because there's this debate, isn't there, around Fellaini, where, where, where is he best used? Yeah. And I don't think there's... I still think that's a question that's answered. He might be better used deeper in a more attacking side, or surrounded by better players, possibly. But... I still don't really see that. I'd, I'd prefer to see him further up the pitch where he can arrive late. It's it's odd, isn't it? It was funny asking Moyes about it last season because he almost became a victim of his own success because he always seen Fellaini as as a hold midfield player. Um, and he said, We've just, we're just trying something new, putting him there. And because it worked incredibly well, mm. then that almost became, well, hang on, this should be this lad's natural first-choice position. And when he started dropping him back, certainly in games towards the end of the season... Every single time we needed a goal, he, that was the go-to tactic. You push him further forward. Now, uh, Moyes, obviously, he's got Van Persie there, don't he? He's going to need to push Manuel Fellaini up, you know, and play 60-yard passes up to him. But um, it's interesting that he wants him to drop further. If he's if he's to play him next to Carrick, like you say, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what impact that one season further up top has had on his game further back. Because he was always a def- defensive midfielder before last season for Everton. I think it is. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Never ended up then 11 million in credit. Though, yeah. the issue with that is that there's question marks there around, you know, no one knows how much money you have to pay to secure Lukaku and yeah. Barry. You know, that's that's going off headline transfer fees. They've ended up 11 million in credit. You know, there's no doubt that they're going to be paying a huge whack of Barry's wages, mm. um, which, will, you know, it's got to be included in the loan deal there. Lukaku's almost certainly not on buttons either. Uh, and Chelsea may well have wanted to face something has diverted Lukaku from West Brom to, yeah. to Everton at late notice. And it's noticeable that as Everton. It's not Kevin Morales sitting in his room constantly. Reports. No, you know it's noticeable <laughs> that something's changed, something somewhere there. You know, so it's it, almost certainly that 11 million figure is in part false. But it's fair to say that Everton uh, have ended the window just about in the black, yeah. uh, which you know going forward I think is interesting. It's it's difficult, isn't it, to keep asking a manager to perform a little bit of magic. 
the club can go to the well so many times. It's it, it, it's more as you said. What what would have happened if that hadn't yeah. have worked? That's when things can get absolutely crazed. There, I you think know, it's, it, it's you'd rather have the security. Yeah, absolutely. I think it come far too close for comfort this time. Um, I, I could see. I could definitely see at ten o'clock. When we were talking, I could, I, that was it for me. Um, I thought, you know, this would be absolute, it'd be so destructible. Given how transfer windows in the past have been such a catalyst for Everton in, in seasons gone by, you know, that, that you know, the, the famous one when the game, the Man City game, we beat Man City 1 0, mm. paraded Jelovic, signed PR just before the deadline. Fantastic. Gibson. They've, yeah, absolutely. They've done it again this time as well. But it is far too close for comfort, Neil. And like you say, I'd rather be in Liverpool's position signing three lads a day before. Unveiling them on the deadline day and going out and partying with my chief executive in the night. <laughs> okay, get, get yourself down the Hilton. What's the um, what then is what's the expectation for Everton this season? That's mm. the that, that's the, that's where this ends up. What's your expectation this season now? Uh, Everton finished sixth last season. Yeah. They've only picked up so far three points from nine, um, but then off the basis of that, Manchester United have only picked up four. Arsenal have only picked up six. What? What's a re- what's a reasonable expectation first, and what's a hope second? Mm. What's a reasonable hope, a plausible hope? We've had this before. Yeah. Football support is about the delusion of plausibility. Yeah. What do you feel you can? What can you delude yourself into now, Dave? That you maybe couldn't have done before the transfer window closed. Uh, I'm going to take fourth off the table straight away. I don't. I don't think that's possible. Uh, certainly not with a new manager. If had it been Moyes in charge and we brought those three players in, I'd definitely be champion for fourth. I think acceptable seventh or eighth. I think fifth. Fifth would be really, really, really good. I think he's done. He'll have. He'll have you could done an outstanding job if he's finished fifth this season. Yeah. And what about in the cups? Um. I think you're looking League Cup, certainly the way the draw is at the moment. You're in the last 16 if you win this one, aren't you? So uh, I'd probably expect to be Fulham as well. So I'd say, you know, semi final at worst in this over two legs against someone, I'd say that'd be acceptable. And then the FA Cup. I mean, we've had such a fantastic record. You've got the fellow who's just won it as well. I think, you know, you're looking at getting to, to, to a final. You, but you, you, can, of, you can hope for a cup. In, in, in hope, yeah, absolutely. In terms of minimum, minimum expectation, well, obviously. Minimum expectation all comes down to the league, I think. Yeah. That's what, it, you know, you, you don't want to see them that's slip I mean, below 10th, do you? Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, minimum expectation is top half. But yeah. the hope is that you know there's that you can you can convince yourself fifth's possible, convince yourself that a proper cup run's possible yeah. in either of the cups or maybe even both. European football by any means would be fantastic. Excellent stuff. This is all in the game with Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. We're gonna do the same thing on Liverpool just after all these messages. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. It is City Talk 105.9, it is all in the game, it's Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey still talking about the transfers, the aftermath of that and what's a serious piece of expectation going forward. It's um, Dave feels that, you know, Everton's, Everton there, you know, you can hope for fifth, you can expect top ten um, and, and a decent couple and I think that's very very much fair enough. I've got the actual uh, full, got some uh, statistics here which have come via Sport and Intelligence or a website well worth keeping an eye on. Um, after English players, guess which nationality, whoa, the microphone's messing Round here, Jake. Guess which nationality uh, came into the Premier League the most of all the nationalities? France. No, France was in, it was just behind this place. France. Thirteen French players came in. Hmm. It's not an African nation. Is Fourteen it? Spaniards. 
yeah. at an average cost of 6.165 million according to Sport and Intelligence. I think it's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, though the players, sorry, the players who were bought, not just imported, but the players who were bought. Engli- uh, 20 English players moved, 14 Spanish players moved, and 13 French players moved. Apart from that, no one else was in double figures. Uh, only the Dutch at six were above five. Uh, the Scottish were at five. Um, average cost of a Brazilian, 25.8 million. <laughs> um, the average cost of your Spaniard is 6.1. Average cost of an English player, 3 million. Average cost of a French player, 2.3 million, which when you take into account Liverpool spent 17 million on Sarko, suggests that... Buttons for the rest. Buttons for the rest, exactly. Um, goes right the way down. Average, co- average cost of a Scottish player, a very, a very, very, very cheap £720,000. This is on sportingintelligence.com. They've done a very, very clever little transfer roundup. Uh, there's mo- much more in there than I'm just saying. Top 10 players bought, Otsul at 42 million, Fernandinho at 30, William at 30, Fellaini 27 and a half, Saldado at 26, Lamala 25, Jovetic at 22, Negredo at 20, um, then number 9 is Sarko at 18, Shuttle at 18 uh, for Chelsea, they make up your 10, and the um, the net spend puts obviously Manchester City at the top, Chelsea in second, Dave Downey who's third. It's not Spurs, is it? Because they recouped no. from Bale. Uh, it's Liverpool? No. Third, Southampton, 34. Really? Fourth. They've yeah. gone under the radar with some of the players Very they much brought, so haven't guess, they? guess who's fourth? I'm enjoying this game. <sighs> yeah, and I'm not enjoying how bad I am in it. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have got any <laughs> of these. Don't worry. Sunderland? Uh, no, Sunderland's actually only spent a net 480,000, which has also gone really? under the radar. Because they bought like 14, 15 players. But Min- Mignolet went for nine. Mignolet, yeah. S- Sessegnon went for a few. Uh, Cardiff City spent 31 Cardiff. million net, uh, which suggests the effort that they're trying to make to, to, to stay up. Crystal Palace spent 18.5 million, just under Liverpool's 19.3 million net. Again, that's in reported figures. You don't know what the impact that loans, mm. etc., has on that. Um, West Ham spent 21 million. God knows who on. <laughs> West Ham. Downing's wages. Uh, has anyone got any... Yeah, oh, it's, oh, of course, it's Downing yeah. and Carroll. Oh, that was very kind of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, like an old boys club oh, down there now, isn't it? Good on them. Uh, great gang of lads. It's like the Legion down there, isn't it? <laughs> it's like the Legion. Um, all the play- I've got a list of all the players who came in from Spain. I'm not going to bore you with all that. There is, it is mildly interesting to see the, the, the slight Spanish exodus. Uh, as I say, all this is out there. You can see this on, um, on sportintelligence.com. It's very, very interesting. So... Oh, let's do this then as well. Oh, by position. Um, 14 goalkeepers went. Um, average cost of those who went for a fee. Is that Premier League? This, this in, the, in the Premier League, yeah. 14 goalkeepers were bought by the Premier League. Average cost of those who went for a fee. What was the average cost of a goalkeeper? I'd say about 4 million. I like this, Jake. Good. Uh, 3.3. 34 defenders moved. What was the average cost of those with a fee? It's not including freeze. Those with a fee. Oh, the freeze would drag it down, wouldn't they? I'll yeah. go... I'll go 2.5 No 2.5 is the average cost overall including freeze without freeze 4 million oh. Midfielders 36 midfielders moved average cost of a midfielder this season 8 8.4 well done oh. Dave well done Dave you're coming out of this very Promise well you I'm not looking at these by No the way. you're not looking at these at all I mean at this rate you could win a prize which if we get, <laughs> if we get you to post it out means that you might get it in about a year's time Yeah um, Johnny Milburn will be listening because uh, Have I you went. sent have you sent it to him yet Allegedly <laughs> <laughs> I saw no, he's going to get a boss present. I just need to find it. Okay, okay. Strikers then. 37 moved average cost of those with fee. Uh, I, I don't know. I think maybe slightly less than the midfielders. Seven. Eight, 9.3. Oh. 9.3. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, that means you've got to get something else for Johnny Milburn. Um Okay, let's talk about Liverpool then, in the, partially in the context of all this. What's noticeable there is all summer, um, and this is the gripe 
from a Liverpool let's do the negative let's accentuate the negative from a Liverpool supporters point of view all summer the talk was Liverpool are going to get a belt and attacking player all summer um, the manager was saying it it was being leaked every time Liverpool were, were linked to one it was briefed out there as to who it was and why uh, and that didn't happen um, Sarko remains Liverpool's top sign in the summer that's a very respectable 18 million and 18 million that's suggestive of a great deal um, given that you know, it would have been easy to to lay charges of perhaps this transfer committee scrimping on players. So I had one year left on his deal, and Liverpool have spent a reported eighteen million pounds on him, uh, which is a huge amount of money. And he's a central defender as mm. well, twenty three. So he's obviously one for the future, but he's one for now as well. But there's uh, when when FSG came in, they they spoke of under promising and over delivering, and yet all summer, Dave, from from a Liverpool point of view, accentuating the negative, there was the promise from the manager, from everyone involved at the football club of getting this great attacking player in who will add 20 goals, do all this sort of stuff. And yet, and yet, uh, it, it did not transpire, it didn't come through. It, you know, it's, it's a bit disappointing that. Yeah, it is, but it, I think it's it's also a mixture of things as well that, that sort of brought it about because any time Liverpool missed out on a player, it seems to be that, well, I've seen on Twitter that, oh, Spurs have nicked one of ours or... Um, you know, why is Spurs signing these players and where not? Um, I think, well, the simple answer to that is the finances Spurs probably had to offer on these lads as well. Uh, because obviously the, the comparison was you're both not in the Champions League. Europa doesn't mean a great deal to, mm. to players coming in. But also I think as well is that expectation level. Did Brendan Rodgers still believe that the name of Liverpool would simply attract the players the quality of player that you will need maybe not maybe that was a he was a bit naive maybe to think that but I, th- I do think it's a it's a mixture of reasons rather than blaming I mean obviously Ian Eyre will take the, the grunt of the blame for a lot of things with, no, with I agree with it. it's, it's a, it is a mixture of reasons I think it was also the football club's not still not entirely come come to terms with that loss of status that not yeah. been in the Champions League four years now it's, and it'll by, by the end of next season if Liverpool get back in they'll have had an absence of five years it'll be five years since the Champions League game was played the last one was played at Anfield in 2009 yeah. so to, by, by 2014 it's five years um, so I think that that reality is one which is, I think the football club for a couple of years there three, four years even it was able to pull the well, Liverpool cards and it's going to come back now players have legit, got legitimate cause to go well is it and that's, yeah. I think that's something which the, the, the club didn't com- didn't completely engage with. So you've gone for these targets who are very much yeah. at the pinnacle, um, and you've, you're going to lose out. Well, the, the thing that I, I wanted to ask you was, you know, um, all summer we've, we had this conversation even before we started back up at the start of the season. Um, you said to me about Liverpool losing Suarez doesn't really bear thinking about because you can't replace him um, with a player who's as good as that. What Spurs have done with Bale... Do you think maybe suggest that it could have been done? I mean, if you sold Suarez for, say, 50 to 60 million, forget who it's to. The business that Spurs done, do you think that sort of dispels that a little bit? Well, yes and no in that. Would Lamar have come to Liverpool? Use Lamar as an example. One of the reasons why Spurs have able to, been able to secure him is Baldini, because Baldini was yeah. at Rome before right. he's come over. So, you know, you're looking at on that list, Negredo wouldn't have come to Liverpool, Jovetic wouldn't have come to Liverpool, um, Lamar, let's rule him out. Soldado might have come to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, Fellaini, if it wasn't Everton, might have come to Liverpool, mm-hmm. but because it's Everton, Fellaini's gone. Uh, Liverpool was sniffing around William, but supposedly 30 million was the limit of where they thought the money was there. Um, Fernandinho goes to City, that's that's uh, nailed on for ages, and Liverpool wouldn't have had a sniff around Messalotzel. Yeah. So I think that they could have added three, four, five solid players around this but solid players 
aren't really what Liverpool are short of, and they haven't mm. come out this window short of them. Liverpool have got Jordan Henderson, they've got Joe Allen. These are solid players. Um, you know, you're not you're not seeing them play and thinking. You know, they, they stink to high heaven. You know, they, they six good. and sevens are every, every week. Yeah, so Jordan Henderson is, called, is the epitome of a seven out of ten yeah. man, and that's you. Can, you know, you can build a team reliant on on players like that and dropping them in. I think you know, and then you're looking at Daniel Sturridge. You know, do, you couldn't have played Soldado and Sturridge in the same sides. Mm-hmm. So then you're paying twenty six million for a lad who's going to probably be second fiddle to Daniel yeah. Sturridge. Liverpool's squad's in a really weird place. Liverpool are a really weird squad. Even now, after this window's finished, they're in quite an odd position, I think. I think the money was there if they needed to go for somebody, but it was only going to be spent on the right player. It was yeah. the idea that, you know, McTarian's worth £30 million, we will spend £30 million. William isn't worth £32 million. We're not going to go £32 million. we'll just stick at £25. Yeah. Um, which is odd once you get to that sort of point, but you know maybe William they felt all the way through he was only worth eighteen, and they were stretching going to twenty five. So I think it's a difficult situation, really. I think it's one which it would have been tough for Liverpool to have pulled that sort of business, the business that Spurs did. Um, do you still think that's needed now? I mean, you, you look at the squad you've got now. Do you think an outstanding attacking player is what you need right now? Um, more than anything else. Well, I think that we, I think that we, I think that we need two more. Squad players, which is cover for storage and cover, and an alternative to Lucas and Gerard, who's I, I'd have taken Barry. I said to you all summer, yeah. I would take Barry. Uh, Barry's a, a gr- great example of what I'm talking about. It's not just in terms of being able to play the position up to a standard, but being there, seeing it done, it mm. would help as well. So I, I, I was big on Barry all summer, um, and an alternative to storage. But the other side of that is that I think. Liverpool, what you've seen so far this season and what you saw at times towards the back end of last season, Liverpool are pretty solid. And the way Liverpool are going to win games is um, they, they need to have a bit more of a, a bit more of an attacking threat. And if you've got, if you're playing three of Coutinho, Suarez, Sturridge plus one more belter every week, that means, and you've got what the other one on the bench ideally, you know, if they're not injured, yeah. and that means that there's always someone for the opposition to be really worried about. You'd look at that every week and go, there's goals there. Mm. And then if there's goals there with what Liverpool look to have developed this summer with the solidity that they've, they've, they've got now, then... That, that that can go on and do something. If you add, you know, if you add another fifteen goals to that squad, let's remember that that squad last season, you know, the first half of the season it scored twenty eight goals. I think I'm right in saying the second half of the season it scored forty three. Um, so if you double forty three, you've got eighty six. Well, not not very few sides scored eighty six goals. Mm. So I think if you'd have added that play, you'd have just shored up that eighty six goals. You know what I mean? You'd have felt it was yeah. inevitable. Eighty six goals will come again. Whereas if storage, if this injury storage has got now, if you can't shake it off, then you're going into Swansea. Worries, and that's the problem. Who's the one that got away for you? Do you think McTarin's the one that got away? Yeah, definitely, because he, he he's he's a unique footballer. Um, you know, he can carry the ball brilliantly. He's he's he works very hard. He gets around the pitch, and he's got twenty five goals in him in a league season from midfield. McTarin's the one that got away. That said, uh, that's why I don't think Liverpool went for it again. Because that said, I think that Henderson can't reach that class, but he can reach something approaching it in a season, season and a half, two seasons time. Henderson scored five goals from open play last season in 16 starts. You know, if you again, if you, if you give the lad the starts there mm. and he, he doubles that and improves on it a little bit, it's 13 league goals and everyone says, oh, aye, that's a really good return for the yeah. midfielder. So, if he gets the starts, because, the, you know, Moses has come in as well and they've all got to get the game he's somewhere. He's the one I forgot about as well, Moses coming. Yeah, and he, well, he's coming is because he offers a certain specific threat and maybe the manager also feels he can cover storage. So, Looking at the season before we uh, before before we go into the break, I'm 
off the nine points, and the nine points is the big deal here, I'm very optimistic that Liverpool can start strongly. Liverpool's fixtures, um, I'll do quickly Liverpool's next five. Uh, they go to um, next five in the league. Swansea away, Southampton at home, Sunderland away, Palace at home, and then Newcastle away. And all of them in isolation looks very winnable. And I know there's a big issue. There always has been a big issue, certainly for Liverpool supporters. You've always looked at the run of fixtures and thought, oh, we can do all them. <laughs> but off the back of the 3 one nils. That's what was missing last season. Was at no point last season did Liverpool put a run together. Well, at no point last season, I don't think you've seen Liverpool play three games, certainly three consecutive games, where they really haven't impressed that much. And got the job. And got three points. Yeah. No, at no yeah. point last season. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool, the, 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 big, the big issue last season, last, do you know what we said all the way through the season? Wenger's Arsenal will come with a run. And it'll be this daft run. Wherein it's from nowhere to get to claim fourth place. If you win four out of five, three times throughout a season, three times throughout a season, that's twelve wins. Yeah, that's fifteen games. That's twelve wins from fifteen games. You can then afford to win only only ten from the other twenty-two. Where everyone says, "Ah, oh, crisis at Arsenal, etc., etc." Yeah. Take only ten from the other twenty-two. You've got twenty-two wins. Twenty-two wins is sixty-six points, and then you drop your draws in. Yeah. Uh, no, Liverpool did the second half of that last season. They did the bu- bubbling along, looking like it was going to be something, and then it never being anything. What they never did was the blasts of wins. Mm. And I think that this is an opportunity now for Liverpool, if they can get 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 three points at Swansea to look at, at a proper blast of wins, where you ratchet the points up and you go, yeah. Mm. We're not quite good enough, really, to be championship material. We're going to have a poor run. But you then look at Liverpool's homes. Liverpool's homes, uh, you've had the ones that you've had, which is Stoke and Manchester United, and I'll rattle through these. Southampton, Palace, West Brom, Fulham, Norwich, West Ham, Cardiff, Hull, Aston Villa. And that is, that takes us up to February it's incredible. I, I, I was saying for, for our listeners, I was saying in the break, are there any decent teams in our league? <laughs> well, and therefore, if Liverpool can get the win the next away, beat Southampton, win the away after that, which is at Sunderland, both of which feel very plausible. The two aways, they feel very plausible. If Liverpool can get those three points on the board, then you've hit that idea of you blast your points forwards. But you've got these home games coming, where you know you'd be surprised if Liverpool drop points in more than two of them. Yeah. And then, therefore, you're constantly towards the top of the table. You're kicking a pace along. You're looking like a side to beat. And therefore, I think that, you know, within reason, Liverpool can have a seat. It wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool were top three at Christmas. I'd then be very surprised if Liverpool had the ability to hang on through the second half of this season where the yeah. home games come tougher, where, the, you know, where the, the sides that you're going away to, they're fighting for their lives, where you're not quite as sure of yourself and the squad's beginning to look a little bit thin. But... If Liverpool can kick on, have a decent January, then you never know. And it's it's odd to be this optimistic. Yeah. So before we go to a break, then I'll ask you the same question. What's the hope? My my hope, my hope, a plausible hope that Liverpool can finish top three. Um, which, if you'd have asked me before the ball was kicked this season, would not have been a plausible hope. What's the minimum? Uh, minimum requirements, I think, is that they genuinely are challenging for the Champions League place in April. Um, so, you know, say eventually finishing fifth or sixth. If Liverpool can finish sixth. I, I, if Liverpool finish sixth and break 70 points, then I'll go, well, they broke 70 points. Yeah. You can't control what all the other sides do. You break 70, you break 70. Yeah. You're just um, a silhouette to me now, by the way. The, know, sun, the, the sun's setting behind out. your head, and I, I just can't see what's going and on. And it'd be nice to see it'd be nice to see a really good cup run. But I, th- I honestly think it wouldn't... It, but it wouldn't surprise me genuinely if, you know... Liverpool can have one of those weird seasons that sides like... Uh, that Arsenal had a few seasons back, that Aston Villa had uh, about two, three years ago, wherein... The, 
oddly prominent by February yeah. and then drop away a little bit. And I think that it's potential that Liverpool can have a season like that. They could even perhaps go a little bit further and sustain it if they add numbers in January. And just before we go to last question, before we go to a break, how important is it for Brendan Rodgers, his future... If Liverpool finish outside the Champions League, do you think he's still got a job next season? I think he has, but I think that depends on the points total. If he's able to go listen, like Spurs last season, like Fierce Boas, if he's able to go listen, we've got 72 points here. You know, we need a little bit more luck. We need to, you know, boost on from there. Yeah. But, you know, because I think you've always got to give a manager credit to plus or minus six points. 72 points could have been 66, could have been 78 with a bit of luck. The problem we had last season was 61, could still be 55. With a bit of luck, yeah. if you see what I mean. So we can't have a finish like that again. But if they have a finish where, and you know, they're breaking seventy points and they're looking like at times they're putting those runs together, then I think he, then I, th- I think he'll be all right. This is City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine. This is all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Very briefly after the break, we're going to talk about how Everton are the establishment club. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk One Hundred Five Point Nine. Okay, got to be very quick. We've got about two minutes left to do this. Uh, I want to explain an argument I was having with a man called Graham Langley on uh, Twitter. Hello, Graham, if you're listening. I hope you are. Um, Andy Burnham uh, tweeted whilst watching Everton. Proud Evertonian tonight. Not seen three of ours in England teams since Mexico 86. And all these three could get closer to Maradona than Peter Reid, which is I mean, making a joke. Uh, but proud Evertonian tonight. Not seen three of ours in England team. And I retweeted this and happened to forget them because I was doing something else. And then pointed out the next morning. The reason why is because this, there's a John Gibbons argument here, Dave which is that Everton are the establishment club that Everton love recognition from the establishment like nobody's business they love an England call up when Moyes was being linked with the United job not when he was getting the United job but when he was being linked with the United job Evertonians loved it because it said well Dave that, that shows how good a manager David Moyes is how big a, how big a name in the game David Moyes is um, it's, it's this very very strange thing Everton, Evertonians love 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 an England call up who was it who got his call up last season Leon Osman yeah. and uh, you're delighted with that t- Turn of events. Sterling got called up, and we were all like, "No, <laughs> no, don't do that." Um, you know, it was uh, Barkley gets called up now. It's great. Evertonians love it when the players are linked with big clubs. I will argue there's been a turn of the tide since then. Well, I think there has, and I think it's Moyes going. We've got to be very, very quick on this. I just want to put the arguments out there, but I think Moyes going has changed this completely because now you're not cowtown to Manchester United. Yeah. You're getting them over a barrel and you're murdering them. Yeah. You're not just going. It's great for Lane. He's gone for 27 million to United. You're going. We got 27 million out of them because yeah. they're the establishment. Um, in comparison, you know. Evertonian, you very rarely see the fans get involved in that much political stuff. Thatcher it was not, not a big deal at Everton. Um, the Park Road went mad last season when a flare went off at, uh, at the Derby. They went berserk. They were absolutely disgusted. Someone could do something like this at a football match. This is what I mean. I don't just mean you know the idea of everyone likes it when people say nice things about their footballers. But Dave, I think Evertonians love it to pieces. You've got 18 seconds. Yeah, it's, well, it, it's been made a lot easier by the dra- backdrop Liverpool have made with the, the Suarez thing and everything that's gone on with Liverpool in the last protesting his cop-out behaviour yeah. well th- th- I-, I can see what you mean yeah and it's slightly embarrassing I do certainly think so going to have to end this all in the game next week back football <laughs> it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9 